Defense with, uh, once again, sitting in for Merle Kelch, Ellen Haugam, Haugam Law Firm. Uh, correct me again, it's a, uh, you are a, uh, I'm just completely drawing a blank just here. Just legal superstar willing to do this for free, Mike? Yeah, that's... Okay, maybe well, that's going a little bit far. Okay, yeah, we're going to go with that. Uh, you are a... Uh, <laughs> Will uh, it was it a will attorney? I would say it's it's estate planning. Estate planning. There the we way go. The I would describe it is estate planning, elder law, which some people take a look at, and asset protection. I would say that is probably the tagline, and and really what it means is it it kind of spans the gamut. So just to give some people who haven't heard us when uh, we were together on the on the radio before or, or weren't tuned in last week, mm-hmm. you know what that means is if you have someone who's uh, younger, we actually have an eighteen year old coming in. He's going to sign some powers of attorney. So he's uh, going to sign some things that say if he's ever uh, incapacitated, who can sign uh, health care documents, who can sign legal documents. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, how often is that going to happen? Well, not too often, but it's, it's a pretty low bar. He just signed something. You know, we might have people that doesn't happen too often, but uh, he's, uh, he's a good kid, so, so it's going to go. So, you know, we might have people who are a little bit older, and you say, well, they're uh, 26 and 24 and they're married. And they have a baby, and they have. You say, well, they don't need estate planning because they have no assets. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's they they rent an apartment, they have a student loan, they have a car loan. You know, they have negative assets probably. And you say, yeah, but they just want to make sure that that child, you know, has a guardian named. And oh, by the way, they might have some group term life insurance at work, and they might have. And they say, okay, we just want to make sure, you know, the baby goes to the right place. As unlikely as that is, that that it can't. Say, all right, got it. And and you kind of go up the line. You know, then you have. The people where they have, uh, uh, you know, a, a nine-year-old, an eleven-year-old, and a fourteen-year-old, and they go, "Wait a minute! If something happens to us, we got a couple of dollars. We got a couple dollars of home equity now. There's a couple dollars in the four hundred one k plan. We did uh, buy some life insurance from the local uh, uh, agent. Is that all going to go in cash to our, you know, uh, our, our young kids, our, our mm-hmm. you know, elementary and junior high kids? And we go, no, not at you know, at those ages. The state waits until your child turns eighteen. Okay. And on their 18th birthday, they get a check for, you know, one half of your life savings or one third. Or in some places, you know, the only child gets all of it. And you say, what does an 18-year-old do with everything, all of your home equity, everything you have, all the 401k plan, all the life insurance in cash? You know, well, 18-year-olds say, I'm not going to school anymore. <laughs> I'm not even going to get a job. And not bad kids, by the way, Mike. Right. You know, these are good kids. They just, mm-hmm. they're 18, and they have, they've never seen, you know, and we'll have kids hold up a check, you know, and people think it's funny, but but we've had kids literally hold up a check for $50,000, and they just say, I'm good. Like, this this is more than I've ever seen in my lifetime, right. times 50, and uh, it'll pay for everything, and money just kind of falls off the money tree. So you say, you know, you just kind of go through, and, and eventually, you know, all of these different stages, how do you handle that? How do you make sure when you give your... Uh, it, your life savings to a child. If that child gets divorced, they don't lose half of it. Well, you can do that. How do you protect it from, you know, eventually it, it gets to be people say, well, hopefully we make it to a little bit older age and we're concerned about long-term care, nursing home care, the state, all those kinds of things. So it's really a lot of those stages is, mm-hmm. is kind of how the, the whole area, the estate planning, some people think of it as younger, the elder law, uh, and then the asset protection ultimately is for everyone. And then when you're making these plans and, again, preparing to, uh, if worse comes to worse, turn that check over to that child. That's, mm-hmm. you know, right. a $50,000, $60,000 check. Uh, you, some people may not necessarily want that to just be 
a check that suddenly goes into their bank account, correct? correct? Absolutely. You could also put stipulations on it that say, hey, part of this has got to go to pay for college. If you're not in college, you're only going to get it in stages as long as you're working. You can actually write that into the document, can't you? Absolutely. And I think that's some of that is just invaluable. I mean, it, it, it is uh, that's the secret sauce to all of it. And, you know, we'll have sometimes people will uh, uh, they'll be reluctant. They'll say, well, we can't make that appointment just yet because we have to figure it all out first. And we say, no, 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 you don't figure out anything. Really, what you need to know are, are the questions, you know, and sometimes it's what are your goals? And we always talk to people because everything revolves around goals. You know, what, what's, what, what is your, your family situation and what are your goals? And if people say, well, we want to make sure everything goes to the kids, great. Uh, we want to make sure, you know, kind of go down the list. Uh, do you want to make this more complicated for the kids or, or easier for the kids? We go, I think we're going to go with easier. Okay, mm -hmm. you can do that. Do you want to make it more expensive for the kids or less expensive for the kids? Like, all right, we're going to go with less expensive. Yeah. And, but you kind of narrow it down. And sometimes people smirk a little bit and they go, oh, okay, it's a, we get it. But, but you really do get to then, you know, you just think about, uh, you know, your example is a great one, is that if something happened to, uh, uh, to a parent or, or, you know, and it's, and it's the type of thing where we don't see too often where two parents pass away and a five-year-old is, I mean, it, yes, mm -hmm. it's possible. And yes, they're horrible stories, but, but it's rare. But, you know, sometimes in a, just think of a single parent home, you know, parents, one is widowed or, or parents are divorced. And, and we've had, uh, you know, the, the surviving parent comes in and says, well, my, my ex-husband passed away and his $100,000 of life insurance at work now goes to our daughter and she's just turning 18. Mm -hmm. What happens? And it's, right. it's that good, you know, and, and, the, and the money goes no matter what, no matter how big the dollar amount is too. You can't give a child big enough dollar amount. They just buy bigger and bigger and more expensive things and it eventually goes. So, so you say, how do you do that? And really, I think, Mike, what you're getting to is, you might say, if if anything ever did happen to me, and a dollar amount, I can speak from experience. I have a 19-year-old uh, a daughter and a 16-year-old son. So if something happened to my wife and I, we said, well, they're great kids. They're fantastic kids. But would they be able to handle, you know, some dollar amount that a life insurance policy pays out? And it'd be pretty hard. You know, right. they're they're trying to figure out, you know, how to get A's and B's in school. And uh but, but those are, are bigger decisions. So what we might say is, what would we want our 19-year-old daughter to use that money for? And we'd say, well, as you said, school. I think that'd be a great idea. But what does that mean? Well, school probably means uh, tuition. Uh, uh, we found out the, the room part of room and board oh, is pretty expensive these yes. days. Um, you know, so it's, it's books. It's the fees. It's the, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what about transportation? Well, maybe it's a good, solid, used car. Not a fancy red sports car, but a good, solid, just used car that's safe. It's got a side airbag, if, you know, dad has any opinion on the matter. Right. So, good. You know, that sounds pretty responsible to me. Um, what if she's done with school? Well, maybe it's a help with a down payment on her first house. You know, if, if a child ever came in and said, and we've had them say, well, what's my inheritance? I can, how much house does that buy? <laughs> I can take that house and go buy. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> if you take your entire inheritance and buy the biggest house you can, You'll never be able to maintain it. You'll never respect it. But how about if you can qualify for a mortgage, then this maybe this inheritance would make sense as the down payment. Could that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that sounds like a great idea. Uh, it might be getting married is expensive. Having kids is expensive. Um, starting your own small business. It, you know, health insurance. You know, Just go right down the line. I think all those things sounds pretty responsible. So what if you said that that child could use those dollars for any of those things? But at what age? 
do you think a child is old enough? Just a random kid, not the smartest kid, not the, the but just, just a random kid is old enough to be able to handle that, that kind of a dollar amount. And you say, well, 18 is not that age. Uh, I don't care who it is. You know, 22 is probably not that age. Depending on, sometimes parents get a little bit nervous about 25 even. You say, mm-hmm. well, what is it? Is it 25? Is it 28? Is it 30? And if you say, and then parents will stop and say, well, if they can use the money for anything responsible at any of these ages, well, then what's the, we're not harming them by saying they have to wait until 25 to just spend it on anything. Because usually, you know, they get to a, a certain age and then they say, they mature. You know, everybody mm-hmm. matures. And you're, you know, things you spend money on at 30 is different than what you spent money on at 18. So, so I think you're, I think Mike, you're absolutely right. Just can you do that? And hopefully I always tell parents, I say, hopefully you're, you're celebrating their 30th birthday with them. (laughs) So, so we're not going to test drive this theory, right? You can sleep a little bit easier at night. Um, just, just knowing that, that nothing went kind of inadvertently, nothing went to harm them, you know, this dollar amount at the wrong time. So I think, I think that's where you start. Just, just think of the people and you say, well, what if you don't have kids? Well, are you giving your dollars to anyone who, um, uh, who, who's a human being? You know, if you're giving everything to charity, I think we're fine. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. But, but if you're giving it to a human being, it's really any person uh, runs into these situations. Mm-hmm. He's Alan Haugen. We're making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, our chatter is just filler for your phone calls as the phone lines are open at 715-845-2155. If you've got a question, we'd be happy to connect you and uh, get your advice uh, live on the air here, and even better yet, in a non-billable hour. Non-billable to hour. the attorney. Did you say that's better, Mike? I, yes, if, I did. If the state bar, if the county bar hears us talking like that, <laughs> I don't even know the ramifications. Oh so, man, we'll just keep it between us. We'll listeners. just keep it. Yes, indeed, today. indeed. We'll be back after this here on WSAU. 819 on this Saturday morning here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com. Looking at mostly sunny skies right now out the window. Temperatures on their way to 80. Uh, decent rains over the last couple of nights. Unofficially in the Leishner rain gauge on Wausau's west side. For those of you that are regular listeners of the station, you know I've got my rain gauge, and I'm pretty proud of it as a former. Semi-official. Yeah. As a former farm kid, I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. Uh, just under two inches. The last two days, so not bad at all. Everybody, uh, for, of course, the farmers who are much more important than my lawn, they need that more than I do, so that's what I'm concerned about uh, at this point. He's okay. Alan Halgum. Again, we're making financial sense. If you've got a question uh, for Alan, go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. Good morning. You're on Making Financial Sense. Uh, what, uh, what's your name, and uh, what's your question for Alan? Uh, Ron. Morning, Ron. Uh when uh, you're making out your will, is it better, generally speaking, to put things in percentages, like if you're going to be giving out to nieces and nephews or whatever, or is it better to give them lump sums? Uh, I would think percentages might take longer uh, to, to settle the estate first, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, Ryan, it's a good question, and it's one that we, we deal with actually a fair amount. And I think sometimes the way I would say it, uh, first of all, Either one's going to work. Either one's going to work. But it might depend on the dollar amount that you're giving to them. So if you say, and, and regardless of, you know, what you have or how much you have, or, you know, obviously if in, in certain circumstances it's different. But, but if you said, I want to give each one of my nieces and nephews $1,000, and then someday after, after every niece and nephew's gotten $1,000, 
And then we're going to give the rest of the whatever's left to this person, whatever's left to this these three people or, or this charity. Well, then you know what? Just give the just give the thousand dollars. I think if you said, oh no no, I want to give this you know this niece fifty thousand, and then that one gets a hundred thousand, and this one gets a hundred, and that one gets uh, well at some point, then it probably makes a little bit more sense to use a, a percentage, just because the bigger the dollar amount, I think the more percentage uh, makes it easier. Um, versus if it's a small percentage, you know, if you say, no, I'm giving $1,000 and that's one quarter of 1% of my entire estate. Yeah. Just, we'll just, just have whoever's doing the work, write the check and then they can be done with it. And really what, during the administration part of it, uh, Ron, you know, after you've passed away, uh, with a will or with a trust or whatever the governing document is, it's, it's, there, there's a lot of, uh, documentation and a lot of notices and a lot of things that have to be delivered to the beneficiaries. And if you have a whole long list of, uh, you know, lots of people who are getting small or, or random dollar amounts, it's a little bit easier just to pay them all out first. Then, you know, kind of settle on, okay, everything that's left, then we're going to go through the rest of the administration and those people are going to divide it up two ways or three ways or four ways. But, but I think that's probably what I, the way I would lean toward it. Um, you could do it either way, but, uh, it's it's a little bit easier. I think the other uh, reason you'd lean that way is if you give big dollar amounts. If you say this person gets fifty thousand, that one gets seventy five thousand, this one gets twenty two thousand, that one gets one hundred and fifty thousand. Um, at some point, it doesn't happen often, but we did have one recently where there wasn't enough to fill all of those. That that uh, it had been from years ago, and and in retirement they had used it, um, and it just wasn't enough. You know, then you have to get into doing a little bit of math because depending on how it's set up, sure. then they'll have to do some pro rata uh, distributions. So if, if five people get 50,000, but there's not $250,000 left, you know, we've got to do some pro rata. And if they're different dollar amounts, you, you got to break out, mm-hmm. you know, seventh grade ratios and, uh, <laughs> and some fractions, oh, but, no. uh, but you can do it. So I think Ron, it's whatever you're comfortable with, but I would stick to that dollar amounts for smaller numbers probably. And then percentages for the big chunks at the end. So, Okay. Good question. Sounds good. Thank you. No, take care, Ron. All right. Yep. Thanks for the call. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Pro rata, is that going to be the most uh, lawyer thing that you're going to say here over this you know, hour? I'm going to talk about a fortiori maybe <laughs> in, the, uh, in the third segment. Okay. And uh, ipso facto, okay. maybe next time. All right. But uh, no, I think that uh, pro rata will be it. No, but what we mean is it's it's just a, it's just a ratio. You know, if, okay. if you have all kinds of dollar amounts and- it's really what you're doing is you're saying multiple people get a dollar amount, but the estate isn't enough to cover it. Because usually what happens is when you have dollar amounts, then at the end, whatever's left goes to this person or those people or these three, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, even in different percentages. But if it's not enough to cover all the specific dollar amounts, then we've got to come back and everybody gets a haircut, basically. But it's all in the same proportion to what you would have got. So, so it's, it's a little bit of planning. You know, just make sure that that gets taken care of ahead of time. And it, it's pretty easy to do. But I think, you know, Ron's question is a good one. It's That's kind of the guidance. You know, when someone comes in and says, here, here are the people I want to give things to. Here's about how I want to proportion this out. Sometimes we'll just go through it and say, okay, if something had happened to you yesterday, here's how that would have looked. You know, here's how that would have gone. Like, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. Okay. What we really want, you know, we talk about farmland. You mm-hmm. know, I grew up on a small farm. I'm from Edgar. And, uh. Uh, kind of a hobby farm, and, mm-hmm. but a lot of our best friends in the world are, are farmers, bigger farmers, dairy farmers, ginseng farmers, and it's it's one where 
you know, sometimes the goal there is they want the farm to go to a particular child or these two kids because they're going to continue the operation and then other kids get cash. Well, that's going to be different than if you just said, no, and after we die, it just goes into four equal shares for the four kids. So you always want to make sure that, you know, going back to what is the goal, how does it work, um, and, and really just sort of lay it out. Say, well, if something had happened to you with these assets and these kids and this plan, here's how that would have worked. And they go, wait a minute. <laughs> that, no, that's not what we want. Okay, let's, let's fix that ahead of time before it ever happens, and, and it works out pretty well. And how, you know, and, and the most important thing in all this is probably how do you even know that that would have been a problem unless you have these conversations with somebody like yourself or another estate planning uh, attorney, because it's pretty easy for you to sit through in your head and dream up how this is going to play out. But, you know, the legal system, the state gets involved in things like that. And that might not be the way that it actually happens in real life. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we can do is when we talk to people say, well, you've never, uh, a lot of times families have never gone through this. Some families have. They say, well, this is what happened in, you know, when my parents passed away and how it, it worked with my siblings. I want to avoid that. Or this is how it worked with my siblings. And I went, great. It was fantastic. Uh, so, you know, how can we either avoid the bad stuff or, or kind of continue the good stuff? Uh, the other part of it is a lot of people say, I have no idea. Like, I've never done this before. You know, Ron's a great example. He says, I don't know. Is it percentage or dollar amount? Well, all we have to do is I say, let's go down the hallway and grab my, my colleague, Sarah. So Sarah, uh, Sarah Reed is one of the attorneys in our office, and she handles a lot of the work uh, after people pass away. And she's great at it. And, and she will go through and, and say, oh, my gosh, in this situation, here are the, the, the seven steps we're going to have to go through because of how it's written. If you'd done it this way, it would have been, uh, you know, 27 steps. <laughs> let's do it the easy way. <laughs> okay. And, and all of a sudden, you know, someone can say, oh, okay. Now, we don't usually get up and walk down the hallway and grab Sarah. But I'll say, here's what Sarah would say. You know, here's how that would mm-hmm. work. But it really just comes, a lot of it comes with experience. You know, you've just done it enough times. And and uh, I'm trying to think, I think I'm 23 or 24 years into this, Mike, which is crazy. I, I can't even imagine that. But um, but it's been fun. And, and it's one where you say, well, over that amount of time, you know, you can see patterns of what works well, what makes it easier. How does a family end up with a better situation at the end? They say, well, okay, well, let's do it that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it works. Indeed. He is Alan Halgum. We're making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and WSAU.com. Of course, if you're tuning in at this time normally, after a week off, you might expect Merle Kelch to be in. No, Merle is still on vacation right now uh, in Alaska, hanging out with the whales and checking out the uh, icebergs on the uh, cruise. Hopefully not getting too close to the icebergs. Well, we'll hope so. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, Merle's probably in the peak of the front of the boat leaning is saying you know that iceberg you know mm. dead ahead sort of thing and yeah he's uh he's helping him out i'm sure he and will make exactly. a lasting impression on those alaskans but exactly uh, back. we are not going to comment on how many alaskan <laughs> ambers or uh, ipas he's probably had by now but uh, i hear the stuff that uh, they get up there in alaska is better than the stuff that we get down here in the uh, lower 48 but um i digress on that maybe part. we'll have to test that theory and do a show from the road someday and, and indeed uh, yeah Indeed. Uh, He is uh, going to be back next week, and we should remind you that next week it is going to be the uh, Tom King reunion episode as well, as Tom is going to be in uh, to chat with Merle here on Making Financial Sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. I am going to be uh, on assignment at a soccer game somewhere, so... We can't divulge the location of that just yet. Not yet. All right. Not just yet, no. 
So uh, we will we'll be looking forward to that next week. And for those of you that have been regular listeners to the show, you'll get a little bit of a blast from the not too distant past as well next week. And one thing that Merle would love for me to do though before we uh, before we send it off to the, your news update here at eight thirty is to stump the attorney. Ooh, ooh. So All over right. the week, over the course of the last week, I wasn't going to do this last <laughs> week for the first guest host show. I was going to wait for the second one. Uh, I did de- did devise a stump the attorney question. We're going to get to that next here on WSAU. We are at 8.33 on this Saturday morning on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined in studio by Alan Halgum, making financial sense here. And as we said before the break, we wanted to stump the attorney right. because that is something that uh, that's always my assignment when Merle's <laughs> gone, actually. And I think, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I actually devised a scenario, a situation in which I may stump the attorney. And here it is. So with the rise of Bitcoin okay. and the, and right. the uh, cryptocurrencies, again, the money that you can't see, the money that you can't feel, the money that you can't physically pass from one person to another to uh, to pay off a debt, you know, as those bills say, public or private. When somebody dies and say they've got thirty to forty thousand dollars of Bitcoin on a flash drive somewhere or on a laptop somewhere, what happens with that? Do you need to have that written into your will that says all the Bitcoin that is located on this SanDisk three gigabyte flash drive goes to X goes to Corporation Y. Is that something that needs to be thought of these days as wow. well? So this is, and, and this is a, a question that we had never, ever dealt with up until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say is still really, really rare, you know, partly because there's a, there's a small percentage of people who, who own Bitcoin or other uh, cryptocurrency. And, and there's a, a wild difference in opinion as to the future of it. So this is where... You know, you can uh, uh, you can pose this to Merle when he comes back about what he thinks of the the investment side. So we are offering no opinions on this as an investment. Absolutely. But, but if someone just says, yes, through whatever circumstance there is, and there is a value, there's a market for it, um, whether it's a good market or bad market, there's a market for it. I think the way it works, Mike, is it has a title. And you say, okay, now when we think of a title, um, just to take a step back, people think of things like uh, a vehicle. You know, there's a vehicle title. You go to the DMV, you have this piece of paper. It's kind of blue in the background. It looks mm-hmm. official, you know. If you have a house or any piece of real estate, there's a deed. And the deed says, you bought it from Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, and now it has been transferred to, uh, you know, Michael Leishner. You say, all right, we got it. Um, with, but everything has a title. You know, the, your furniture has a title. Your lawnmower has a title. And you go, oh, the lawnmower, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I register that one. You say, no, you don't register it. But, but. Title is really a concept of who owns it. So if you said, if, uh, uh, you know, Mike, you decided that after uh, we get done with the show, you're going to sell me your used futon uh, for 50 bucks, and I'm going to go put that in. Yeah. Well, the futon has a title. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, really? There's no piece of paper. There's no DMV title like a car. There's no deed like a piece of real estate. There's not even a bill of sale. You know, it's going to be a $50 bill and, and, uh, and a futon in the back of my pickup. But but you say it's got a title, and really, title just means that you own it. Well, with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, the the title really just means who owns it and how do you prove it. 
you know, because we could prove who owns the used futon or the used couch. It's there. It's you tangible. We can see it. Yeah, you yeah. Can write it on a piece of paper. Say it was mine. You know, you have chain of command. You bought it. You know, years ago, and you're in college, and now you're selling it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, got it. But, but you know, with with the the kind of the electronic type of things, the the digital. You know, and there are other things. There there are other things in this category. Uh, you know, there's you know famous things like people think they're they're preserving all the the music on their iPhone. Well, no, that's a license to use it. You don't really transfer that. I can't buy your uh, Ariel Speedwagon collection off the iPhone. <laughs> but but with the Bitcoin, you know, there is something to it that has, a, at least in current day, there is a value to be transferred. And really, we just have to establish that chain. So you say, how do you access it? What is the method of accessing that? What's the method of turning it into something that you can use? Because even, you know, money on the you know, in, in your, your mutual fund, a lot of times it's paperless, it's electronic, it's, it's at some company somewhere, but you don't have shares of stock or certificates or things like that. Well, this is really just one more step beyond that. You say we have title, we have to prove it, we have to establish the chain of title, and then really the method of extraction. You know, if someone says, yes, I have a Bitcoin of X number, it's worth X number of dollars based on today's closing price that it's traded for, well, how do you access that? How do you turn that into... Uh, a new Chevy Silverado. Well, you know, if you've got thirty to forty thousand, I think was your example, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, what would what would you have to do? Or I'm sorry, not you, but what would the the person have to do to access that and turn it into something of of value? You know, you can't eat Bitcoin that I know of. You can't, you know, it doesn't help you on a deserted island. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's turning right. into something tangible that helps my life, whether it's it's food or it's 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 rent or it's buying real estate or it's it's a uh, uh, you know whatever it is. How do you do that? How would you? you say? Well, to do that, I would need um, the secret code. I need the key. I need um, you know if it's if it's held through some exchange. I have a method of doing that. So really, if you can establish that and then transfer that, document the transfer of title from the person who had the right to it, the legal right to it, and you know how would we do it? And, and that's really what happens, is we have to go through that. Now, it's a little bit different than the car at the DMV or the deed down at the Register of Deeds office in the local county courthouse, but there's a method for it, um, and we haven't had to do it much. Mm-hmm. That, that This has been incredibly rare, but, you know, just like everything else, that, that it will likely increase in frequency as, as years go by. And, and it's another thing that you have to keep up with, because I, I was kind of wondering, like, has, you know, there been any sort of, action on this at, say, the federal level, where we are creating uh, legislation that actually lays out that process for how to legally transfer Bitcoin in the event of uh, a Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency investor's death. Is that something that's been looked at? Or are you just maybe copying and pasting uh, in uh, the way of regular money and putting substituting dollars for Dogecoin? There is, uh, there's, uh, I would say it's a work in progress. The federal level has been more, at least to the, the stuff that, uh, that we've seen, has been more of just guidance. Like, here's what we think might be a good idea. The state has gotten into some things about what they, they refer to as digital property. So digital property can be something that has a value in that case. Um, there's some things even a little bit more, a little bit further down the, the, the line of command, you know, uh, you know, NFTs and all kinds of goofy mm-hmm. stuff that, that some people think have value, some people don't. Um, but there's a market to trade it, I guess. The so <laughs> Merle might think it really doesn't have value. But oh yeah. That, so I, this we are offering no opinions as to the value of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But but if anyone's willing to give a dollar for it, then technically it has a value. 
So, so the, the state has offered some guidance on digital property, and some of that really just deals with access. How do you access you know, the iTunes music library? Well, if that's a license and it dies with you, then, then that's it. And that's, that's part of all of those screens on your phone that you skip through to push the button at the bottom that says, <laughs> yes, I've read this, when right. you haven't, uh, like everyone else. You know, there are other things where it might be access to some of your online social media accounts because there's a value there. Uh, you know, is it um, photographs? You know, photographs, the, the family photo album that, you know, in my family, you know, we have generations of the photo albums and sometimes they're covered in plastic and sometimes there's a metal ring and, and they have the pages and you peel out the cellophane, you paste the pictures, a couple of four by sixes, you put the cellophane back. Absolutely. Now you have a photo album. And those truly... Uh, are some of the most cherished things in, in my entire family and, and probably in a lot of people's families. Mm -hmm. uh, well, now those are all on your phone. Now you've got, you know, a hundred times as many pictures as you used to, but they're all locked up on this little electronic device. And what if you say, those are mine? Well, yeah, it's easy to make copies of them, but, but if someone says, those are mine and I have the right to do that, how does that transfer? Well, the state has given us some guidance on digital property, but that really only lasts a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think, so what we're doing is we're drafting that into all the state plans, and we have for a, quite a while, actually. But, but just to make that easier, because that's one of the questions, and it can be contentious. And we want to make sure, again, with everything else, family comes in, what are your goals? Well, a lot of times we want to protect things. We want to protect uh, the, the estate. Or we want to protect the house, protect it from long-term care and nursing home care in the state. Well, we can do that, and then someone else says, but wait a minute. Do we want to make this more complicated or do we want to make it easier? Well, we want to make it easier. We want to accomplish our goals, make it easier. So just draft it in. So is uh, what are your goals? Is that what is written on your conference room at, yeah, the, it should uh, be. at the top of the ceiling there? No, it is written. i tell you what it is. It's written at the top of the, the, the paper I bring into the, every conference room okay. every single time. So I will come in and I have – and there's some, some things to build. <laughs> and there's obviously even the things about, like, what's your name? And, you know, that's there. But, but it's almost like just to remind me and to remind people that we say, what are, what are the client's goals? And people will come in and say, well, yes, we want to, you know, a lot of it is we want to keep more money in the family. We want to pay less in fees to the government, to the lawyers, to the taxes. Um, the, you know, the, we talked a little bit last time about the nursing home and the asset protection rules. That's, that's the biggest overhaul that, that we've seen probably, I would say probably in my career in that, uh, the, the tax taxes are always there, but the, the long-term care nursing home asset protection side of it has changed so dramatically from, you know, really 15, 20 years ago to what like parents and grandparents did. They used to put the house in everybody's name, put the house in the kids' names, put a farm in the kids' names. Well, they changed that law and said if you do that now, it would be, in my opinion, horrible advice because they still have a right to keep a pretty hefty percentage of that property forever. And you say, well, wait a minute. I thought I put it in the kids' names. You know, because people would put the house in the kids' names and keep a right to live there. They'd keep what's called a life estate. Well, if anyone, unless you did it prior to 2014, prior to August 1st of 2014, the state essentially will have a permanent right to a pretty big percentage of that house. And, you know, by permanent meaning, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of the value of the house. And it never ends. And you say, well, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, if you said if, if we're going to lose 40 percent or 50 percent of the value of the house years, years later, decades later, well, then we're not really protecting it, are we? Mm -hmm. say, no, you're not. So, so that really has changed. And the state said, if you want to protect the house, if you want to protect money or, or investments, you can, uh, but they changed how. So really that is, and just that explanation, I think, takes a little bit of time. 
uh, and and sometimes so people when people come in, we'll talk about what are your goals, and that'll be that might be one of them. I would say that is commonly one of them. Say mm-hmm. okay, if that's a goal, we'll talk about it, and we will describe how you can. You don't have to. You know, there's there's really nothing that you have to do. So I think that's that's one. Some people say, do I have to do it this way? Do I have to give it to these people? You don't have to do anything. Um, you I think you have to support your spouse with some portion of your estate. Uh, unless you have a very recent prenuptial agreement, you have to support your spouse <laughs> right. with at least a portion. Um, uh, but other than that, there's there really no, you don't have to give anything to your kids. Um, most people do, uh, but not everyone. Uh, you don't have to give anything to your church, but you can. A lot of people do. Or to the Humane Society or the women's community or the neighbor's place. Or now the children's imaginarium that yep. has been a, a, a very uh, a common um, a charitable contribution recently. But, but it is one thing where you say, what are the goals? And you make through this, this whole list of goals. And then you say, okay, well, based on your family, because it all revolves around family to start, always, always, always around family. And then with the types of assets you have, not even necessarily the dollar amount, it's the types of assets you have. Or, you know, do you rent an apartment and have a couple dollars in the bank and a 401k plan? Well, we're going to do that differently than if you have uh, a house and 80 acres of hunting land or you say, no, I've got a farm, or say, no, I've got a house in town, but I, you know, whatever it is, you know, what is the method or how would you accomplish your goals? And, and we go through it. And, and in the end, people say, I didn't even realize, like, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it happens all the time. And it's, you say, that's, that's why we're here. You know, that's why we want to make this uh, a comfortable environment with uh, a cup of coffee or a chocolate chip cookie or, a, you know, a, a very friendly, smiling face when you walk in the door. And, and we go through it. So it's, it's kind of a fun way to spend uh, a work week because uh, there's, a, there's a better method to, the, to how to do it. Mm-hmm. Make mine a monster energy drink, though. <laughs> I, can't, I still can't do the coffee. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. If you've got a question for Alan, we would certainly be glad to, uh, to take that and uh, get to the advice. As, again, we say, free of charge, at least for now. But of course, uh, if it leads, talk about that after the break. Yes, but of course, if it leads to a, uh, a you know a much longer conversation that actually occurs with Alan's uh, coffee and cookies, then at that point, then uh, we may have to start charging. Eight forty-seven here. We'll be back after this on WSAU. Right now, it's Chris Conley with this day. Wrapping things up for another edition of Making Financial Sense here on AM five fifty FM ninety nine nine WSAU online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, before we get too far into our, our final segment, I believe uh, Alan wants to uh, tell his mother hi. I know she listens every week, right? Absolutely. Yeah, my mom. So, hi, Mom. I hope you're having a great morning. I will probably see you later this afternoon. But, uh, yeah, she's here in town. Thanks, Mike. Exactly. Exactly. I know I know that's uh, something that uh, he's actually paused the show mid-segment once to call his mother and say, hey, by the way, I'm on this week. I forgot to tell you. So, I know that's important. And I'm not sure if you know this. I have the world's greatest mom. Like, You're kidding. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, a lot of moms out there, a lot of good moms, you know, pr, you know, fighting for number two. Right. But, uh, I got the world's greatest mom. So okay. It's, uh, and now, is this something that's going to hold up in court, or do I need to start challenging? You know, I think I would I would have no problem putting my uh, signature on this, on that <laughs> affidavit. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, um, hopefully it it's, uh, settles before it gets to court. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we'll go ahead and settle that one out of court. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Maybe we have somebody that... Wants to actually challenge and take it to court. Oh, okay. Here, we've got somebody on the phone. Good morning. You're on Making Financial Sense with Alan Halcom. Uh, who are we talking to? Uh, good morning. Uh, this is Eric. Good morning, Eric. Good morning. And I've got a question uh, regarding 
the financial power of attorney. Um, how would my mom has uh, gone into a home, um, and we don't have anybody else having a financial power of attorney? How would we go about doing that? What's the process? So your your mom went into a, a like a medical facility or a nursing home or an assisted living facility, and she does not have a power of attorney for finances. Correct. Okay. What happens is. It really, the first thing you take a look at is if your mom is still competent or in, in part, you know, some of these people get a little bit of a difference between competence and capacity. So what we mean is um, that that she's still able to make her own decisions. Now, you might say, look, my mom is slowing down and, and she's having a little bit of difficulty and we help her like we write out the checks and then she signs them and things. But it'd be a little bit overwhelming if she had to do all that stuff. But she still understands, you know, she, she still understands who she wants to do things. She understands all the things that need to be done. She just, it's just a little bit of, of a big stretch for her to do that. It just makes her tired out. So she could still uh, draft a power of attorney for finances, even, even now, even if she's in a facility, in a nursing home. Um, she, you know, she very well might have capacity. And if you say, well, yeah, for some people's moms maybe, but, but my mom doesn't, you know, that we've gone past that. If she hasn't done that, then she really, the, at some point in time, the court can can grant those authorities. They would call that a guardianship. And a guardianship is just the court, the, the state kind of authorized, and then you know it, it's carried out by the, the counties, that the county court can authorize someone to make financial decisions and health care decisions for her. So uh, you can apply for a temporary guardianship. You can say, well, it's going to be, everybody knows which kid it's going to be. Eric, Eric's the oldest. Eric's the most responsible. Eric lives the closest. Eric's willing to do it, you know, all those things. And he can do it. You have to apply to the court, and they might give you possibly a temporary guardianship that says you can do that for now, but then we're going to evaluate your mom, um, that they would get, uh, and you have to get some people involved. Usually there's two doctors who have to make independent evaluations to see if your mom has capacity or not. They would have to get, uh, the county has a comprehensive evaluation that takes a little bit of time. We have to get a lawyer for your mom. So there's, there's, there's usually two lawyers involved, uh, you know, to one going through the process, and one is called a guardian ad litem for your mom. So there's, it's a bit of a process, but then what happens in the end is the court says, no, we are going to grant to Eric or to someone else the authority to make those various types of medical decisions or financial decisions for your mom. And if someone says, really, we got to go through the courts? That, that sounds expensive. And when you're paying two doctors and two lawyers and the county and court time, yeah, there's there's a few dollars involved there, and it, it can get fairly expensive. In the end, it works, but but you're going to spend some time in the court system, and there's going to be uh, thousands of dollars that are going somewhere. And if someone says, "Well, how do we avoid this?" Well, that's where you know, for everyone listening, you know, it's you draft a power of attorney for finances, and which is, you know, and a power of attorney for healthcare. The power of attorney for healthcare is a state form. They've had it for 31 years. Just make sure you you do that one right. The power of attorney for finances also has a state form that I don't have a very high opinion of at all. I don't think it's very good. It kind of traps you into doing things you don't want to do. So I would I would have the attorney help you with the financial one. But if, if your mom has capacity, she can still sign that. If she doesn't have capacity, then it would be kind of have someone help you with the guardianship process. But it's a good question. It comes up all the time. So. Is, is, is there a definition of, of what constitutes capacity? There's a few. Yeah, and there's there's a few different places out there that you can do that. I would, I were, if you're questioning it, I would just have a, an independent professional, have an attorney help you with that. Um, the attorney can, can help 
Capacity is a medical definition. Competency is a legal definition. So there's a little bit of a gray area there, but it's one where, yeah, there, there are some tests for it where you, if you, if you follow these and, and I think a lot of times families say, well, we know if she is or not, but you still have to kind of go through those tests, but people can help you with that. You know, an attorney can help you with that one. So it's a good question. All right. So thanks, thanks, Eric. Good. All right. Again, thank, thank you. For, yeah. yeah again, thanks for the call. Eric, 715-845-2155 is the number to call as we wrap up this edition of Making Financial Sense. Uh, obviously, getting up to the top of the hour here, so we don't have time for phone calls. But, of course, Alan has time for phone calls yes, during the week. Absolutely. You uh, know, and I think that's where you even talked about the cost of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Is I would say whenever you do that, talk to someone who will talk to you about this without charging you ahead of time. Um, and go through it. And, you know, what we do is we have that list of goals. You know, different offices do it differently, different attorneys. We have some wonderful attorneys in this area of law. But have them go through it. What are your goals? What would it take to accomplish your goals for your family and your situation? And then have them tell you the dollar amount. What would this cost? And then if you say, yeah, for that accomplishment, yeah, that's the cost or that's the cost. But find out ahead of time, you know, during that meeting and during that initial meeting. And, and a lot of the attorneys should talk to you for free on that. But it just mm-hmm. makes sense. But, but yes, so if someone wants to call, um, we have two offices, one in Rhinelander. Our main office is in Wausau. The phone number is 715-843-5001, 843-5001, or on the Internet, it's at haugumlaw.com. And again, if you want to hear back uh, to some of the discussion today, maybe maybe you want to take in the Stump the Attorney segment <laughs> earlier today uh, regarding Bitcoin, because, again, that's something that you haven't thought about and you need to include with your uh, financial planning or your your last will and testimony. We will have the podcast posted at WSAU.com as well. I believe you have the link to the podcast on your website. Yep, all on the website as That's well. There. Yes, and uh, and we will look forward to seeing you again whenever it is we see you again. Because I think we're not too darn long in the distant future, I'm sure, Mike. So thank right. you for the help. Have a absolutely. great week. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We always appreciate the time, uh, Alan, on a Saturday morning. Again, next week we will return you to Merle Kelch, and it will be a special reunion episode with Tom King as well. So Tom will be in to uh, discuss making financial sense with Merle. We will uh, look forward to that. I will be back in a couple of weeks. And uh, between now and then, well, we've got Miss Milwaukee Brewers baseball coming up later today here on WSAU as the Brewers prepare to take on the Atlanta Braves. It was a 10-1 